Good afternoon. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, welcoming you to the March 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly live interview show, the second Monday of each month on WPKN 89.5 FM, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across coastal Fairfield County. My guest this month is Bridgeport artist Liz Squalacci. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much, David. And we're looking at the connection between Bridgeport and this artist who has lived and worked here for some 20 years now and who clearly gets a real charge out of the city and gives back in no uncertain terms. So, Liz, here we are in the brand new studios and offices of WPKN, recently relocated from the South End right into the heart of downtown, right next to the Bijou Theatre. You helped celebrate this move with an awesome graphic showing the Bijou and its neighbouring building, number 277 Fairfield Ave, swinging and grooving to the music um, above a vintage-style radio on which they're perched, with, I notice, one of your favourite trademarks, the PS&G smokestack, um, red and white smokestack, although in black and white on the image, swinging in the background to the music like like a little stubby aerial. There's a giant version of it outside the studio, and it's on mugs and T-shirts. And coming into the PKN building, you can't help but notice the wall treatment, clearly by Liz Quilacci, although I didn't see her signature anywhere, with some of the classic icons of this urban landscape that you've so taken to. But this isn't the first time you've uh, designed for WPKN, is it? I know I have a transmitter t-shirt from, I think, 2017 that you designed to give to donors when the station was raising money for its new transmitter. So how long does your association with WPKN go back? (laughs) Yeah, it goes back quite a while. I think I started um, designing logos and printing t-shirts for WPKN back when I got a studio storefront at the Arcade Mall. Ah, uh I remember one of the open studios, one of the WPKN DJs, Bruce Swan, came in and he said, well, this is perfect. Liz can (laughs) design our t-shirts and print them right here. And he asked me to do the 50th anniversary t-shirt. So I did that one, several others, transmitter, uh, turntable, um, some Bob Dylan, uh, Mm. fundraiser tees, some Neil Young, and then the move tee, which is the one that you described. Um, And then when WPKN had an article written about them in The New Yorker, calling them the greatest, greatest radio station in the world, we put that tagline above the move design for t-shirts. Yeah, that's great. Can we get still get those t-shirts? You Rod, can. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. And um, then the uh, mural in the lobby was also one of the first murals I painted upon coming to Bridgeport. <clears throat> I painted it with one of my good RISD friends, Darcy Fangi, and it has a lot of industrial scenes on top of antiques wallpaper and faux mahogany and uh, just some Bridgeport icons like the smokestack right, and uh, right. billboards and cranes, construction, right. some pigeons in the corner. Yeah. Classic Liz Colacci, yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, um, what about the musicians? You've been painting quite a few musicians recently. Yeah, um, those were some of my COVID paintings, um, painting musicians and their lyrics. And it was a way for me to really 
be in the studio focused on painting. Um, I used a monochromatic palette, so they're all gray tones, black mm. and white. And, you know, painting at that detail requires a lot of concentration and focus. And it was just what I needed to help me right. through the lockdown of the pandemic. Right. So I mean, somehow PKN does seem a natural for you. There's something about the transmitter, electricity, power lines, trains, highways, representations of energy and movement. At least that's what I picked up on that runs through your work. Is that right? Where did that, yeah, where did that definitely. come from? Yeah. Um, or where did that start? You... I love those electrical towers and yes. all that geometry. Um, <laughs> and I think really throughout the illustrations and designs, there's kind of a flow that I feel like has been built by taking these individual projects and working them out through illustration. So, you know, all the characters, the radios, the turntables have a sort of personality. <laughs> uh -huh. And that's something yeah. that has developed with me as an artist working with P PKN as a radio station. Huh. That's neat. Um, but also there's just the urban fabric, you know, the buildings, the bridges. You recently did a diptych celebrating New York urban crusader Jane Jacobs. And in 2019, you did a series of paintings of views from the dock between the ferry and the train station. Although, as we'll discuss later, you work with an amazingly wide range of subjects and styles. It's To me, it's always the urban work that seems particularly strong. Can you talk about your fascination with the city, with cityscapes, um, and then maybe Bridgeport itself as a particular city? I think it comes from being where you are. Like right mm -hmm. now I am in Bridgeport and I am traveling a lot to New York City and I think we reflect our surroundings. Mm. Um, after college, I interned out in New Mexico for an artist wow. who was building a pyramid out there. Huh. And I love that sort of land art. Huh. So when people are working with their environment, they make work that fits into the environment. So now that I'm in Bridgeport, I feel like this is my environment. And that's what happened with murals and public art in the urban environment. Right. But it's not that somehow you're working in a studio that happens to be in a city, but that you actually are celebrating the environment, the city, the, the place. Yeah, um, I do love the bridge underpasses and the concrete structures that uphold them. And there is something about the structure of the city that I find very interesting to look at. Hmm. It might again come down to geometry and right. planes and solids and um, form. And do you think it's because of uh, Bridgeport's sort of long industrial past um, that has many of, so many of those structures that has something to do with it? Yeah, I do. Um, there's a lot of warehouse spaces here right. that are turned into artist studios. Um, there's a lot of great architecture here. Um, the building that I live in was once a, <clears throat> excuse me, a department store, Reed's department oh, right. store, and now it's live work studio spaces. The um, studio I'm working in a lot, Singer Connecticut studio now was once the Singer sewing machine right. building, and it's gorgeous big open space with those large pillars so even here we're sitting and there's this exposed brick in the studio <laughs> it's just stunning yeah yeah um anything about bridgeport itself though in terms of other cities that you've known you seem really to have um 
taken taken a shine to to Bridgeport. I know you used to you were living in Stamford for for a while, and then you made the move to Bridgeport. And it's clear that you're here to stay. Yeah, I was born in Bridgeport. I grew up in Trumbull.、Um, I went to Providence for RISD for art school.、Um, had a studio in Stamford for a while and、mm-hmm. lived in Greenwich. I had to leave the studio in Stamford because they were turning into luxury condos. And、uh, a frequent、um, story, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But Bridgeport was one of the only places in Connecticut that I was able to find live work studio space、uh-huh. for artists.、Uh-huh. That was affordable, yeah, and it was also large and had modern amenities. And、um, I felt like moving to Bridgeport was kind of like moving to a blank canvas, where、mm. you move here, you really become one of the people who help and form、mm. and shape the city. Where、right. it was not like that with other places.、Uh-huh. Like、this really, you t- it takes on a feel for the people who contribute to the city, right? And of course, there's an amazing artistic presence here in Bridgeport with. Five artist buildings. I mean, full of artist studios. So there is that、um, spirit of a kind of artistic commitment. I don't know whether it's been planned or accidental, but somehow the just the population of artists, either living or work and or working here, is、uh, pretty amazing. So、yes. there is that community as well that、um, is very amenable. I think too. To further work, definitely. Well, probably the biggest splash you've made in Bridgeport is your public art. That's the work probably most people have seen, even if they don't know that <laughs> that it's your work, that you're the artist behind it. You've done a wonderfully diverse set of utility boxes, a thirty-foot piece inside the Barnum Museum, the mural of the Four Seasons at the Bridgeport train station. That was completed,、uh, what ten years ago now,、mm-hmm. uh, and the painted stairway on the Broad Street steps in 2017. That's coming up for its fifth anniversary.、Um, and last year, that amazing 70 foot wide arrow weave for color blends at Elm and and Main. How did you come to this activity that we call public art, and what attracted you? What attracted you to it? Well, I started public art in Stamford.、Um, I was working as assistant to muralists and decorative painters, and specifically an amazing muralist named Zora Janisova.、Uh-huh. And she passed on a lot of the、uh, painted traffic signal control boxes to me. So I painted a lot、um, in Stamford, the electrical boxes,、um, and then some in White Plains, New York, and、uh-huh. in Bridgeport.、Um, So it was something you really took to.、Um, yeah, the painting outside was、yeah. was fast and immediate, and、uh, I took to it definitely. There and they also had like a lot of them to do, so they'd be like,、uh-huh. "This summer, can you paint eight or four?" Or you know, like, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." So it was a way to really plow through some work. And plus, I guess you're out there; people can see you. You probably have conversations with people. People are often attracted. To this unusual activity、mm-hmm. that is going on, yeah, that's right. So that that those kinds of conversations must must be kind of interesting.、Uh, people finding out what an artist is actually like as a yeah, human being. They would watch. They would walk by. They'd drive by, beep their horn. So there was always an interaction with the public, yeah, yeah. and 
even one box had a it was a box of crayons oh yes had yeah. a tree fall on it <gasps> and it um looked like a crushed crayon box after that <laughs> but they brought it to a steel yard and then had a new box put up and uh-huh. asked me to repaint it to look wow. again like the the crayon uh-huh. box um but yeah, so from the boxes, you know, there was the Bridgeport train station mural, which was a whole other level of public art. It's so long and large. The underpass mural, the purple nights, the purple stripes mm. getting onto I-95. And um, for me, it was just exciting to see the work in such large scale and in unexpected places like the stairway. Um, and the public art is like intrinsically tied to place. Like these are not small right. pieces that you can sit by or sell or bring to a gallery. Right. They are here. If you want to have a picture of yourself with the Broad Street steps, you have to come to Bridgeport. So that's another thing I like about it that um, they really are like tied to the place. And um, how did the commission come by you for the train station? How did that happen? The train so- station was an a request for proposals. It was pretty rigorous. They were putting it out to the whole city. Ah. And I answered all the questions and came up with a uh, (laughs) model, you know, just a mock up of what I thought it would look like. But I got quite into the design and um, submitted all these things and then was awarded the project. Well, congratulations on that 10 years later. Thank you. So I'd love to talk about the Painted Stairway, um, which is on the Broad Street steps, right at the northernmost end of Broad Street, up from Elm Street to Golden Hill Street. And it's right next to the old Y that's now become almost an unofficial Bridgeport Arts Center, with neighborhood studios having recently moved in, the downtown cabaret, um, City Lights Gallery with its vintage shop, Uh, And right across what's called Bijou Square from where we are right now, it's an amazing, um, very impressive splash of color and form from close up, but also visible from way down Broad Street. I love the perspective along the street and then with the steps right at the right at the end. Could you first describe it for listeners who may not have seen it? What 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 does it look like? (laughs) It looks kind of, kind of like a DNA helix uh, um, wrapping together two streams of blue and yellow and then other colors coming in from the sides. Um, and it's sort of looks like it has graphic components like pixels, like it's actually sort of pixelated. Uh-huh, so right, it's all made right. up of little cubes, but they end up forming curves and it goes all the way from the ground to the top of the Mm. the stairway and um tell us how the idea came to you that the idea of the helix is uh it um, unusual (laughs) well i really just wanted something that would span from top to bottom in looking at the stairway it was very much like a thin but long shape so i wanted Uh something that would touch every step like And so then these ideas started to come to me that maybe a path that comes down, but maybe another one that comes Uh up and then having them intertwine. And then I started thinking about humanity, the people of Bridgeport, how um, we all have common humanity. And then the ideas started to come to me about um, diversity and um, collaboration and unity. And I sort of imbued these ideas into the design. 
And was this a commission or was this your own idea? It was um, an idea that was proposed to me to paint the stairs by Michael Moore, who was the previous president of the DSSD ah, in Bridgeport. Yes, and wonderful then, Brown, uh, Bridgeport Downtown Special Services District that has now been very instrumental in uh, covering Bridgeport with with public art. Yes. Um, it's a wonderful institution. I know. And um, so we had always done different outdoor public art projects and had worked together quite a bit before he asked me to paint the stairs. And um, and then I started writing a Reggie grant for the project. Oh, right. Yes. Um, to secure funding. And, you know, I had to meet with the city about it and different groups like Bridgeport Generation Now, who I ended up partnering with for mm. the uh, project. And then, you know, eventually got the Reggie grant and painted it with people from the community and friends. And it really was a, a great time. And well, that, that's something I'd love to focus on, because it wasn't just you out there with a paintbrush. <laughs> uh, first, it took a huge amount of organization, and then a lot of participation. So it, this is the process of doing it was a um, a manifestation of the theme itself, which was people coming together to create uh, this unified uh, creation. That's right. Yeah, so, it was, I mean, we would set up a tent and have all the paint underneath it and water, and we invited the community to come and help out. And Bridgeport Generation Now was great with that. And we organized it so that I painted a, a color at, at a time. So we'd uh -huh. meet for weekends during the summer in 2017. And so the first color was yellow. Well, first uh -huh. you, we primed the steps. Yes, yeah. Then I, you know, gritted it out. We all gritted it out and then taped off all the areas that were supposed to be yellow. And then we went in with yellow. Then the next time we went in with a different color and so on and mm. so forth. So this showed your organizational skills. <laughs> Sure. Well, it was so well. much planning yeah. that went into this that you really were able to give it the time and preparation needed to make the project a success. And I remember we actually have a video of your making a presentation at City Lights Gallery with this amazing model, um, a scale model of the steps. Yes. Um, that, and, I made a three-dimensional model of the stairs to get closer to the idea of what it would look like when it was finished and um and painted it and actually that kind of goes back again to when i was um interning at the star axis in new mexico because mm. the pyramid had a stairway in the middle of it and i <laughs> i made a, a stair mock-up for the artist as part of huh. one of my th the things that i did so when i was working on this i was like oh i can make a foam core stair model and that's exactly right. what i did oh, that's amazing how things go around yeah. i know um so what's been the impact of the stairway? I remember at the time, um, or shortly after, you were showing me a book that you had. You were collecting photographs of the people that were swarming to this place. It was really, you made it. It's amazing. There, It's one of the most photographed places in Bridgeport. Mm. Um, people are always out there taking photos, putting them on Instagram, Um they have parties out there. There's always <laughs> gatherings. Whenever I'm up on the stairs touching it up, the lawyers will come out of one of their law offices is there and they'll tell me there's always people taking photos <laughs> in front of the stairs. So that's incredible. And yeah, um, you can see them online. People do music videos, 
have weddings, have mm-hmm. band rehearsals. So it's people feel proud to be in front of it and and take pictures in front of it. And right. that, it, it's nice. It really is. And now I hear there are plans for developing Broad Street, uh, for developing um, a series of public art pieces along Broad Street, actually connecting the step the steps at one end with Seaside Park at the at the other. So it's like you really started something. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I have noticed that there's a lot more murals and projects since the steps. Any ideas what you think it's meant for the city? Have you heard anything from official Bridgeport about I the mean, place that you've created? People love it. Um, it was, at first, proposing the idea was a little tricky. Like some people were like, oh, these are the classic steps. Maybe they shouldn't be painted. So there was actually quite a lot of resistance oh, to really? the idea. Huh. Yeah. And even the people who felt that way are now coming up to me saying, you know, the steps are just <laughs> fabulous. Right. So one of the big issues for public art, and um, this is one of the themes um, with all of the uh, local arts councils, uh, many of whom, many of which really do um, love and develop and take care of their public art, is the maintenance and upkeep. Um, what's the state of affairs with the train station mural? How have you been? Is it you or is it the city? Yeah, uh, who well, you're takes right that a lot of these projects do need maintenance. And like with the stairs, um, I've noticed that the DSSD has been power washing them oh, and uh-huh. there has been landscaping and planting by groundwork. Like it really is a group effort to come together and there's volunteers sweeping the steps. Hmm. Um, so it's definitely a group area, a group effort to keep these areas looking nice. Um, the train station, I just walked through it the other day. It does need some touch-ups for sure. Um, but as of yet, I don't know how to go about doing those. It was the city that I was working with then, but there was a different administration. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't quite know, but it does. I've looked at it, it does need some touch-ups. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that you talk about touching touching. Uh, just touching it up, but mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, long-term structural work, there's, I guess, the question of who who would be responsible for long-term maintenance. Yeah, of, well, the, uh, the train station mural, there's a lot of water that gets into that building. Hmm. And I've noticed there's drips coming down. And there was uh. even drips in one area that I changed because I wanted it to sort of reflect this verticality more. So I threw in some bamboo shoots to like <laughs> sort of work with the nature that was happening there. And there were birds. It's and, a living mural, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's great. Well, if you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County with our March 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our guest is Bridgeport artist Liz Squilacci, portraitist, muralist, screen printer, cityscape artist, and owner of Paradox Inc. Her studio and storefront can be found in the Bridgeport Arcade Mall. So Liz, I'm really interested in your range of painting styles. You're clearly a very adept portraitist, um, we just were just talking about your recent series of musicians. And there's this stunning portrait you've done recently of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. 
AOC. And I know you are excited. This goes back a few years about being, I remember you talking about um, being a copyist in the copyist program at the Met when you were working on a John Singer Sargent portrait, one of my favorite artists. Um, And we've talked about your cityscapes and your graphic art, but you also have this fascination with geometry and geometric forms. Um, The arrow, for example, it's a major part of your mural at the Bridgeport train station. And that whole 70-foot length of the arrow-weave mural on the side of Colorblend's building at Elm and Main consists of these incredibly large, bold arrows with the kind of op-art optical play of reverse arrows in uh, very bold green and purple. And there's your logo of Paradox Inc., which is a set of brilliantly colored rectangular prisms set at a very dynamic angle and a startling perspective. So talk to us a little bit about this ongoing fascination with geometry and color play. Yeah, so I was trained as an illustrator, so I'd always been painting representationally and um, also Hmm. non-figuratively or abstractly. And um, I think some of the larger public art murals has gone towards that way to like allow viewers to have their own relationship with the piece um, to keep it simpler. Um, and you know, it's this interplay between like working that realistically and then also abstractly that you're speaking about is it's, it's really interesting, but as an illustrator, you have clients that, and you're working on specific projects and ideas. So you have kind of a, a range of tools in order to get your ideas across. And, um, I was taking a class at RISD recently. Oh, you went back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, the class was, you know, an advanced painting class from representation to abstraction huh. with uh, the professor Yevgenia Barris, who's an mm-hmm. amazing artist. And so to take these ideas to work both abstractly and representationally and to kind of combine those is really something that I'm, I'm working with right now. And, you know, with the representational stuff, there's a lot of abstraction underlying it. Yes. In any way. Um, And also to, you know, when you see something in order to break down, say, a face, you have to kind of break it down into abstract elements and um, be really objective and honest about what you're seeing in order to portray it in a a conceivable, like, real way. Mm Mm-hmm. And the, the just so like the arrows, for example, do they represent? Yeah. Is the, there something about, what, what is it about them that is uh, so compelling? Well, the arrows you? started as a tessellation, an idea I was drawing um, and playing with. And the fact that they can go up and down at the same time was kind of <laughs> cool to me. Right, right. Um, so I, I play with that idea a lot. And you mentioned the cubes from my Paradox yeah. Inc. logo. And that was that started when I was at RISD and I was drawing in two-point perspective, whereas you have a horizon line and you're drawing vertical lines and cubes and boxes. It's something architects use to, to create spaces. Um, and you end up seeing a structure from below and from above. So, ah, and even the term okay. two-point perspective is like seeing things from two points of view. So mm-hmm. that ties into the paradox and my company name and just uh, dualities and dichotomies and them sort of coming together. 
So the paradox is uh, simply things aren't always as they appear. Sure. Or yes. yeah, getting behind the surface. Yeah. 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 Um, interesting. I'm sure everybody asks you that that question about why you chose that as your as your the title of your of your store. Yeah. And, uh, the paradox is um, was another thing that I started thinking about at RISD quite a bit. Like, um, it's if you think about anything in depth enough, there you seem to encounter a paradox. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are just lots of paradoxes in life when it comes down to truths, like that the only permanent thing is impermanence, and. Um, other truths that end up having a paradox embedded into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me more about this movement between the styles, this sort of interaction between the um, very geometrical, straight-edged, compelling, um, almost sign, icon, and your your love and interest of um, natural forms, people. Uh, I think, I mean, the way you're referring to it now makes me think of like clarity. Like a yes. lot of the, like the portrait of AOC is very clearly depicting her. Yes. And the arrows are have very crisp lines. And I think I'm attracted to that either way, if it's abstract or if it's realistic. Mm-hmm. Um so definitely not impressionistic. No, you like clarity Although and hard edges. Although it can be edges. that way at times. Uh-huh. Like there's a whole field and range that you're speaking of that yes. images can be created in. And I like to dabble in all of them. Right, right. It's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County with our March 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our guest is Bridgeport artist Liz Squalacci, portraitist, muralist, screen printer, cityscape artist, and owner of Paradox Inc. Her studio and storefront can be found in the Bridgeport Arcade Mall. Now, let's. I'd love to go back to your origins as an artist. Uh, when did you know this was what you were going to be doing, that this was the road for you. Do you remember it went first back moment? to like when I was about five years old. I, I really? wanted to be an artist. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I just knew that I was going to be one growing up. Um, I was always drawing and painting. Um, I was enrolled in after school art classes. My parents were very supportive of it. And I had a great high school art teacher, Miss Monaco, and she <laughs> encouraged me to apply to RISD. And uh, I went. I applied to RISD and got in. Hmm. Um, yeah. So um, you went to RISD in, in Providence. You you were there in the late nineties. I was there in the late seventies. <laughs> a place that's changed a lot. And uh, well, last year we were interviewing um, Chris France France from the Talking Heads, who was there. I would guess with most of the other Talking Heads in the in the early seventies. What impact did the, um, well, first RISD, what was the impact that RISD itself had on you, do you think? Oh, how, was... how did it 
move you forward? I mean, it was everything. It was absolutely formative and it was absolutely amazing to be there. Um, just so many great people learning so many great things. Um, you mentioned I was there in the 90s and there's now this Instagram account called 90s Art School uh-huh. and it's really focused on RISD and it was recently written up in the New York Times um, so it got gained a, a uh-huh. large following and if you go there 90s Art School you can see a lot of the people and places and just the fun that was being had it was hmm. so incredible um, and Providence is a great city it's walkable and uh, I don't think there's too many distractions that you really can focus on your work. Um, and, you know, RISD just really taught me to think critically, to problem solve. And it was it really expanded my mind. And um, I think that people that go to RISD often become entrepreneurs because hmm. you just learn so much about how to think critically and problem solve. So then once you get into the world of having to make a living, you forge your own path and create your own artistic career. And um, I think RISD sets you up to do that. Right. And it's quite clear that that entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well with you today in terms of taking on new projects and uh, I mean, projects that seem to get bigger and bigger as, as you, as you go. Um, Thank you. you know, Providence was, um, I don't know, it was a very different town when I was, when I was there. I think a lot's happened. A lot happened to it in the 80s and early 90s, I think. They moved the train station. They uncovered the river. Um, I remember when we were, um, during our Shaping Community Town meetings a couple of years ago, in which we were talking about place-making projects, that might operate to bring people and places together in Bridgeport. You cited Providence as a great example of how the arts have been used to transform and energize the city. And that kind of placemaking is clearly important to you. Um, Any parallels between Providence and Bridgeport, or or just if you want to talk about Providence, I remember you... um, in trying to devo- in trying to articulate what Bridgeport might be able to do, um, you spoke a, quite a bit about what pro- what was happening in Providence. Yeah, in Providence, there is a gallery night that happens once a month on Thursdays, where they have trolleys to take you around to all the galleries that are in the downtown and College Hill. Is that the city that does that? I or believe it's it a, the city yeah. or a group of uh, gallery owners uh-huh. or yeah. Yeah, they get together and organize it. And now in Bridgeport, we have Arcade in the Arcade Mall, where once a month, Saturday, the last Saturday of the month, we open up the Arcade Mall so people can visit open studios, gallery openings like at Ursa. Um, Stores are open like Dirtbag. There's BPT Creates over there. And there's a whole vendor fair with crafts and there's live music. So You mentioned Ursa Gallery. Let's, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Ursa Gallery is the gallery of um, artist Chris Dam, and he has a studio in the Arcade Mall, and he opened a second location for this new gallery that shows beautiful curated shows, and they also opened up um, Ursa, an additional gallery, like a West right. Wing. Yes. Um, so they 
also have shows there. Um, and it's just, you go in there and you see these fabulous shows. Uh, the other co-owner is Dustin Maustrom. Mm -hmm. And who's an architect. He's an architect. Who contributed to the look of that place, yeah, I think. For yeah, for sure. They definitely used their construction skills to make the place look phenomenal. Um, and so it, it's just lovely to have them in the arcade, really reinvigorating the space and revitalizing it. And now bringing in new clients and new viewers um, and new tenants. Right. And this has partly been organized by City Lights Gallery, which is just around the corner from the mall. And of course, it's a hop, skip and a jump from the Bijou. So it's a part of the, it's a sort of a growing heart of artistic activity in, in downtown. So yeah, so that's, it's taking up a little bit from what you were noticing in, in Providence. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely this area of town that's being activated. Uh, last weekend, we had the music mesh at Reed's, that's right. yeah. which was at the same time as Arcade. And then people were invited to go down to Berlin at a brewing to have a beer and listen to some records. So this area is, yeah, becoming a, a little hub of activity that is just quite exciting to see. Mm -hmm. Great. So um, you mentioned it a little. How have you managed through COVID? You, um, you teach, you make and sell T-shirts, you uh, receive commissions, you sell your work. How has all that been affected? Um, what was different over the last two years? Well, it's... I've definitely spent more time in the studio um, working, like you said, on the paintings and the portraits. So to have that um, time in sort of solitude without distractions has been actually quite good. Um, and then some of the T-shirt sales became more like mail order. I uh -huh. would mail them rather yes. than uh -huh. um, having but, delivery or pickup. But was business about the same or... No, I think it changed. It, oh, was, it yeah. was just a little different. Um, there, we did paint a mural during COVID. That was the arrow weave. So, oh, yes. yeah. When you say we, I, me <laughs> and Ruben Merican, he was uh -huh. my assistant. Yes, and uh, we we worked on it. In, in in the past, other murals have had so much community participation, but for this, it was just Ruben and I, uh -huh. and we painted it, and then didn't really have an unveiling because it was not the time to invite people down to gather. Right. Too bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and teaching. Some of the workshops, like weaving workshops, have been canceled. I haven't done many screen printing workshops, but um, I've actually been taking classes at RISD and they're online. So I'm able to paint in my studio or at, at Reed's and then present the, the homework online and huh. have this great interaction where I feel like I'm in this yeah. learning atmosphere. Right. So is this something RISD just started during COVID? They've had, um, they always have ongoing classes, but I think the online asynchronistic ones are because of COVID. Right, right. Um, we never, I'm sorry, you mentioned weaving. We never mentioned this other aspect of your work. Um, you've learned through Ruben Marroquin. Can you just talk a little bit about his work and how you've worked together? Yeah. Um, 
Ruben Merican is my fiance, and we have been. He's taught me how to weave. He's a fiber artist and sculpture sculptor. Um, he makes large embroidered pieces that are kind of like hanging wall sculptures, but they, he really describes them as paintings. Hmm. Um, and he's a weaver, and he's an instructor at Fashion Institute of Technology. And um, right now, he has a studio over at the Singer Connecticut Building, and we're working on a large project for the embassy. It's called. Art and Embassies is the program, and we're making a large um, triptych for the U.S. consulate in Hermosillo, Mexico. Mm. So that's taking up a great deal of time. It's, his work <laughs> is very time-consuming, and we, you know, it's a lot of yarn and large needles and embroidering, and they're sculptural, so they have a lot of bamboo in them and objects, and so we're sort of forming three-dimensional um, spaces through the yarn, and. Uh, mm. And, and actually, embroidery has c- creeped its way into my artwork as well. So right. I'll make paintings that also involve yeah. embroidery. Hmm. Talk, I think one of the Jane Jacobs pieces. Yeah, has... one of the Jane Jacobs pieces has a map of Manhattan embroidered on top of it hmm. and a cityscape of Manhattan and then a, a sepia-toned portrait of Jane Jacobs in the corner. Um, and that was actually one of my RISD projects. And it was learning about combining mediums and combining imagery and embroidery took a really, you know, presence in my work. Um, I find it to be a nice activity. Say I'm painting during the day and I just want to wind down at night. I can do that with thread and a needle. It's more relaxing. It's slower paced. It doesn't, it's not that immediate uh, quickness of painting. So I find it to be a nice um, compliment. That's interesting. I just talking to Lizzie Rockwell um, and the, at the Norwalk Art Space and her quilt project. That's uh, one of the um, aspects of quilting that uh, she speaks about, how it, it brings people together. It's very calming um, and relaxing. It's, it's a sort of different, different way of producing somehow. So um, is this a continuing... So you'll be continuing to bring this... In your pieces, so some—I mean, some pieces are just paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, some pieces are just screen prints. Um, but very often, you do bring all of them together. Yeah, the embroidery helps to push the work. At times, huh. I would think that a, a piece was done if I painted it or screen printed it. I was like, "Oh, that's—it's not done." There's always more work to be done, uh-huh. and if you add color and embroidery and you really work on it, you discover so many new things about your work. Interesting. So it's another dimension mm-hmm. to add to to that. I can't really see it in public art, but maybe... I know. That's it's the way I feel about this commission piece. Like To me, this is also a large-scale public art piece. It's just in a government building in Mexico, the, the piece that we're making oh, for the U.S. consulate. Right. Yeah. But to, to me, it's like the next large public art piece. It's 20 feet long. Each piece is about seven by seven feet. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and it's just, yeah, immense. So to me, public art is immense. Uh, so so you, you're basically, as Ruben was your assistant on Arrowweave, you are basically his assistant and co, co-artist? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, what's the direction forward for you? What, what, um, how do you think um, your work is, will be evolving? Um, or your, 
sort of position as an artist who um, takes on public art very seriously, has sort of an evolving sense of what the potential of that is, and is also com- very committed to this city. What do you see ahead of you? Well, with public art and things like that, I never know what's happening next. So I just right. want to put it out there that there is uncertainty. <laughs> I, I do right. not know. But what I am in a show upcoming. Um, I have two pieces in the women's show at Reed's Art Space, and that's oh. a Women's History Month show. Uh-huh. Um, it's March 24th, Thursday from 6 to 9 is the opening. Um and what pieces do you have? I actually there? have the Jane Jacobs series oh, there. So you can see those. And then I've been in the process of renovating Paradox Inc. There were uh, COVID relief grants uh, that went out to about 400 businesses in downtown Bridgeport um, to help us through the pandemic and to sort of revitalize our spaces. So I'm going to be, Paradox Inc. is going to look very different in the next Fantastic. coming weeks and months. Thank Was you. that... Um, for Paradox Inc. as um, a small business, or was it as an art? What part of it the art? It was a small grants? business expansion. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. because we've been asking each of the municipalities how they've been spending their ARPA funds and encouraging them all to spend one percent on arts and culture. Okay, but this is an example where um, arts and culture sort of spilled over into the small business area. Yes. Terrific. Yes. So what are your plans for for using that money to transform Paradox Inc.? I'm going to completely clear it out, um, repaint the walls uh, white, um, going to get some new equipment. Um, it's just basically give it a total facelift and mm. like it's going to be a completely different place. And I want it to be more of a painting studio. I'm moving more into making paintings. I want to make paintings that I'm proud of. And I want to um, continue to push the work, but create more of a personal style. In terms of people visiting, um, what will what will people coming to the second floor of the Arcade Mall find in the new Paradox Inc.? I think more of a curated experience. They'll see new work and there'll be less of the distractions. I had a lot of murals painted before and um, I'm going to really pare it down and clean it up and make it more of a experience where I'm directing you to what I want you to look at, which will mm-hmm. be mostly the, the newer work. All right. Um, do you know if other um, institutions or not institutions, other groups on in the arcade mall, got similar grants. Will we be seeing a lot of different, a lot of changes? Up I there? think so. I saw a lot of people I knew at the the ceremony f- to give the grants out, um, but I'm not exactly sure. There, there's not like there was a main list of who got them, but I did see a lot of familiar faces. Right. I know you've been very enthusiastic about the mall over the years. I mean, a number of people have felt that it could be raised to a to a higher level. Um, you you still feel that it um, there's a lot of potential yeah, there well, in the mall? Well, these arcade events are the best thing to have happened to it. Um, it's every month. And they're, they're popular. People are coming. They're very popular. People uh-huh. are coming. Um, 
you know, if you want to get an inside look into an artist's studio or a new gallery or a, a really, you know, hip uh, spot that is a dirtbag, <laughs> um, or, you know, you want to check out the latest vendors or the live music, it's a place to go on the last Saturday of the month. Um, and, you know, because in the past, there'll be open studios and maybe it happens once a year. Yes. But this is a repetitive thing. It happens once a month. And it's really bringing a lot of people to the arcade that haven't gone there before. Right. And I know this is Suzanne Kachmar's dream is to have the annual Bridgeport Art Trail kind of seep into the texture of Bridgeport on a more regular on a more regular basis. Um, so nice. uh, this is probably the the spot. So the next one will be the last Saturday in March. I believe yes. so. Yeah, I believe so. That's that's great. Um, so any other? thoughts in terms of the pub public art you're just open for yeah i am open to <laughs> to whatever happens uh next with public art but i because in the past one project has led to another i do feel confident that in the future there will be more um that's really how the momentum works and there's a lot of new development um in bridgeport too i know a lot a lot has been demolished a lot of a lot of buildings are being uh, reclaimed, remade, uh, so there should be a lot of potential for for, for more of that uh, wonderful public art. Cool. So, um, so this is uh, David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. You've been listening to our March 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our guest was Bridgeport artist Liz Squalachi, portraitist, muralist, screen printer, cityscape artist, and owner of Paradox Inc. Her studio and storefront can be found in the Bridgeport Arcade Mall. Thank you, Liz, very much for sharing with us your passion for the city and your passion for this uh, ongoing ongoing work of yours. Thank you too so much, David. It's been wonderful. If you missed part of this broadcast or just want to hear it again, you can hear the show on WPKN Podcasts on SoundCloud. I'm David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. Please tune in Monday, April the 11th for the next edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture. <laughs>